This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Top 500 plus two. Major updates from Intel and NVIDIA. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined again by Tiffany Trader of HPC Wire. Tiffany, we made it through supercomputing and the Thanksgiving holiday, and our listeners have been very patient waiting for us to come back with an update from supercomputing in Denver. Let's start by saying, I thought it was a really good show with really high energy. That's it. That was exactly my impression too. I thought this was a really good show, a lot of activity, a lot of good energy, good conversations this year. And I mean, the show is always good, but I thought I'd been missing a little bit and it was back this year. Had a good one. Yeah, and there were some really significant updates uh, pr- from the chip vendors in particular to start off the show. But let's go with our traditional lead story from SC, which is to look at the top 500 list. The biggest news there might not be actual news at all. Let's start with the things that are official. Not a lot of change or really no change at the top of the list. That's right. So that was like that, that was um, the most uh, evident thing when we looked at the list. There were no no major new systems. Uh, the only new entrants in the top twenty uh, this time were due to attrition. So that was Japan's K computer being de- decommissioned, as well as Ornell's Oak Ridge's Titan machine. So this allowed Marconi at Chineca and uh, in Intel a five system and Nvidia's DGX SuperPod to slide up two spots into. 19th and 20th place. And the highest ranking new entrant on this uh, list was Amos, that's uh, A-I-M-O-S, at number 24. And that was installed at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute RPI in New York, uh, which was a, um, they're, new, they're new on the list too. Our, our RPI is new on the list. Um, and this is an IBM Power 9 system powered by uh, NVIDIA V. V100 GPUs, so it's it's a very similar machine to the other the other I'm, uh, big IBM machines. Um, so I'm in Sierra, still number one and two, so it's similar of a similar design to those, as well as Lassen and uh, Pangea, um, which are our number ten and eleven machines. You know, despite the fact that Summit and Sierra are still there with these industry-leading power and NVIDIA configurations, I nevertheless think this is a really significant win for IBM because we haven't seen a whole lot of very public news from them since then, including some of the new Exascale announcements. Just we haven't seen IBM as part of that equation. So to get another system up there that's a system of some size with RPI, I think that's a good win from them. But beyond that, I can't think of a time we haven't seen any new, truly new systems go into the top 20. Can you? You know, nothing, nothing in the recent past for sure. And I, I just to, to to IBM's credit, I think they had a number of uh, they had some other university academic win, wins as well as, as this one too. Now, maybe if one of our listeners goes and looks at all the lists and finds out this has happened before, you can hit us on Twitter at This Week in HPC. But this might be a first, no truly new systems in the top 20. Now, that might be a mirage, though, because in as much as there's no official news in the top 20, uh, there could be unofficial news. And this is something that you've written in one of your posts before. We're not going to talk about it in great detail here, but we did discuss back at ISC the notion that there was 
potentially a secret Chinese supercomputer that was ahead of some at Sierra that would really be the true number one. Now it's coming out of SC-19 is the idea that there actually might be two of them. A second one joining the first, two Chinese secret supercomputers that would really head up the list if they were submitted for it. Yeah, so we I I had heard this um, back at ISC, like you just said, that there was this mystery Chinese system that was supposed to be on the list and and wasn't. Um, and then you know there, we thought maybe maybe it, this mystery system could show up on this list. It didn't. But then um, I heard from several uh, trusted sources that China was actually supposed to stand up two new systems on this list. Um, one in Beijing and one outside Shanghai, um, very large systems that would be about um, 50 percent or or, uh, or more um, higher flops than than the current um, top 100 top top system. But um, due to political reasons, uh, they they pulled these systems back. But they had pretty much had them on the list and then and pulled them back for for political reasons um, out of concern that. It could be negative attention um, that could that could put them in the, in the crosshairs of these uh, these blacklists, these embargoed lists that that other companies have um, been in the crosshairs for. So, yeah, that's um, so yeah. So these systems are kind of still still mystery systems that um, you know we're, we're not sure how to how to count them at this point, um, but um, we'll be uh, we'll be on the lookout for 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 them in the future. Our listeners can stay tuned to reporting from Tiffany and her cohorts on HPC Wire for any developments there. Meanwhile, let's go to some things that did make news. Now, as we headed into Denver, we were getting a lot of uh, a lot of chatter around the new ARM systems coming out from Fujitsu and Cray based on the A64FX chip from Fujitsu. And that certainly came up in a lot of my conversations. There was a lot of energy in those ARM systems, but that was really only the tip of the iceberg in terms of some of the chip news coming out at supercomputing. And let's start with what I think was anticipated, but big news from Intel as they gave details of some of their roadmap processors coming out through 2021 into the Aurora timeframe, including both CPUs and GPUs, details on the Intel XE discrete GPU and its cohorts, and then plus more details on one API. So Tiffany, give us a rundown of some of the things that got announced. Yeah, so on on Sunday evening at its developer conference um, in in Denver there, Intel's Raja Kajori and, and other Intel folks um, made several disclosures about these these things that are coming and in preparation, you know, for the uh, Aurora system at Argon, but not just in preparation for that. You know, it's it's part of their their overall uh, computing computing strategy. So disclosures about the the discrete GPU, the XE, which we now know has the code name Ponte Vecchio, uh, and then they also outline plans for for one API as well. And this is all part of their a converged HPC plus AI strategy that revolves around the the, the so-called XP XPU, with X being a placeholder for all these different endpoint devices: the CPU, the GPU, the FPGA, the neural net processors, and and other accelerators that um, you know are necessary for advancing computer, and whether it's at the the leadership level or the data center or, or out at the edge. Uh, so some of the yes, uh, technical details, some of the technical technical details, uh, the GPU, the Ponte Vecchio will use Intel's new seven nanometer, seven nanometer process, process technology, as well as Fovros multi-die packaging 
and it will be ready to use the Intel-backed CXL interconnects technology, which is an interesting story in its own right. It has really taken off, and um, a lot of support is uh, crystallized around it. Um, and then it will also use the, the the Ponte Vecchio will also use Intel's EMIB technology. That's its embedded multi-connect bridge uh, technology. So uh, we learned some some details uh, around that. Um, and uh, we don't know for sure. They didn't say for sure, but we're going to kind of presume at this point that um, the first place that would, will show up is uh, in Aurora, which is due in by the end of 2021 as one of the first exascale systems. However, the first to market XE device uh, will is, is scheduled or planned to appear in 2020 uh, in the consumer setting, according to Intel. Yeah, there's a lot to take in in all of these Intel announcements, and I can sort of break them up by sections. First, we've got the traditional Xeon CPU section, where we've got the Cascade Lake CPU that was 2019. That's a 14 nanometer CPU. That's going to be followed up by Cooper Lake, also 14 nanometers in 2020. But then within 2020, they jumped to the Ice Lake platform at 10 nanometers to be followed up by the next gen Sapphire Rapids in 2021. That seems to also be a 10 nanometer processor, or what they're calling 10 nanometer plus plus. That will be the CPU going into the Aurora supercomputer in 2021. Now that's then next to this Ponte Vecchio Exascale GPU, which has a seven nanometer process node. That's the Intel XE processor. So I take note that they're really jumping from 14 nanometers through 10 to seven in a very short time frame, And they'll have the, the 10 nanometer CPU going at the same time as the seven nanometer GPU. That's right. So, and Aurora is the culminating point that brings all these things together. And in fact, we we know the a little bit about the what the node will look like. It will have two of these Sapphire Rapid CPUs on a 10 nanometer plus plus process to uh, combined um, with six of the Ponte Vecchio seven nanom seven nanometer GPUs. And tying that all together, of course, is the the one API unified programming model. Now this two CPU to six GPU ratio, something we've seen before, that's in the Frontier system as well. The AMD CPU GPU node only or Infinity Fabric is a two to six ratio. It strikes me as being a bit of a tweener. It's lower than the, the GPU to CPU ratio we see in some strict machine le learning environments like that uh, NVIDIA DGX node that can be eight to one in terms of CPU, uh, GPU to CPU, this six to two ratio is more in line with something that we see for, for traditional HPC deployments, although it's, it's heavy for that, where mostly what we see in HPC is a two to one. This goes six to two. It's not all the way out to a four to one, which is about the biggest that we would see in HPC, but it does seem to be a, a compromise for both HPC and machine learning. And then, uh, you know, the other thing I noticed with the, uh, with the XE processor, now we're, we're, we're assuming that Aurora is kind of the first big deployment here, and that's just calendar driven, knowing that it's got to hit 2021. But where they really went beyond what I was uh, expecting in this announcement was talking about other discrete graphics markets for the XE platform. It's not just going to be as a computational accelerator. They're going to go after the graphics market as well. And uh, to the extent that they're looking at NVIDIA as a direct competitor now, this is steering XE in to try to hit NVIDIA in its home market. 
Yeah, so that that's right. So another company that made a big, big splash, a big, some big announcements was um, Nvidia, and you know, as we expected, they uh, they they had a big update for something that they had had announced at ISC, which is the bringing in um, the big ARM support update, full full support for their high performance computing and AI stack, bringing that to the ARM CPUs, making. ARM, a, a real peer to x86. And uh, I'll just mention too that they had a big um, keynote on Monday. So they've gone from hosting or, or more, I'm sure you've been to some of them, I've uh, seen you there, hosting these more intimate media and analyst briefings a few years ago to now holding these these full-fledged keynotes. And during that that keynote, which was on Monday, they, they, they made some uh, announced. I think the biggest, the biggest part of the announcement was this ARM reference platform, this reference design for building uh, GPU-accelerated ARM-based servers. Um, and accelerated ARM is uh, attractive for many applic applications, uh, especially in this world of uh, increasingly AI applications, um, as well as uh, leadership computing and across the data center. So um, they, they announced that, and some of the partners involved were uh, include Ampere, Fujitsu, Marvell, um, as well as Cray and HP, or now Cray um, combined with HP. So when those were, were uh, standalone companies, they were both early in, in making ARM-based servers. Yeah, this is important. It's really a logical next move for NVIDIA, but I was impressed with the thoroughness that they did this during the announcement. NVIDIA's core problem, which we described in their vendor profile that we published prior to supercomputing, we got out vendor profiles on NVIDIA, Intel, and AMD. NVIDIA's core problem here is that uh, they're a GPU-only company. They don't have a CPU. And to the extent that Intel, who's been the dominant leader in CPUs, is now introducing a GPU, plus AMD has a, a, has a, a new lot of momentum in the market with Epic, also has its own GPU. NVIDIA, in a sense, has to be worried that it runs out of dance partners, right? And, uh, and moving to ARM is a natural move because they can partner with that CPU environment and become the default GPU. Now, a lot of this is going to come down to software. NVIDIA has a big lead in terms of GPU accelerated software uh, in terms of what they've built with CUDA over the last more than a decade. If they're going to try to deepen that moat, it behooves them to try to help develop the software ecosystem around ARM before a lot of momentum gets going with AMD and the Radeon Instinct GPU and before Intel gets to market with Ponte Vecchio. So it's now an interesting race that plays out in software. It's going to be exciting to track. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, speaking of their big lead with CUDA, you know, that's that's now now Intel has this one API, uh, which is what's going to make, um, you know, which, which which is really what the success of uh, Intel's entire plan hinges on. So, you know, that's that's Intel's unified programming model to simplify the development across these diverse architectures. And um, conceivably, it could even be open to to NVIDIA GPUs. Uh, Intel says that it, it will be will be open um, in fact. And and uh, Intel is making it available on their dev cloud. You can actually try try it out for free for uh, for 120 days um, on their on their dev cloud. Yeah, that's actually the other really big part of Intel's announcement is starting to get more details out around one API. I think this is a, a critical area for Intel. I, I like that it's free to try. I, I would have hoped it would be just free in general, that people can go download it. That's what 
that's the, the benchmark set by NVIDIA with CUDA going back to their grassroots campaign originally. They're going to need to get a lot of developers trying one API to try to get it to be a standard development platform across all of these heterogeneous components. So uh, definitely something to, to continue to watch uh, as we head into 2020 next year. The, the stage is set. The, the war is engaged. All of the, all of the armies are on the field. And now I, I feel like this, this gets to play out primarily in software. It'll be interesting to see. And, and Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, ARM all had major announcements at SC19. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. You know, the show really seemed like a coming to fruition of the the processor diversity and architectures that we've seen ramping up for some time now. I mean, it feels like I don't know, has it been like maybe nearly a decade since we've been witnessing this this swing? Like this started out kind of slow, but now it's picking up. You know, this swing back to greater specialization. I'm sure if you've looked for articles uh, or reports that you and I've written, we can we can search on that term, right? Processor diver- diversity. Um, so now you have all these different players, ARM and Intel and AMD, and we didn't mention RISC-V, but um, they're, they're in there as well. And it just seems like, it seems like things are emerging rapidly, but these pieces have been in place, um, you know, and those of us following it closely, yes, we, you can look at ARM and AMD for some specific examples of this, but, you know, we, we know that these things didn't happen overnight. Um, but now when it's like, ramping up, it is, it is exciting. Um, I think another highlight you might've mentioned, um, and that we talked about on our last show, it was definitely a highlight of the show, of this show was the, um, Fujitsu and Cray and, and jointly announcing that they'll be they'll be shipping systems with that uh, Fugaku board in them. Um, and uh, at the Cray and the Fujitsu booth, there was just a steady stream of folks coming through and, and looking at um, at those boards and, and um, the system, uh, the systems that they have that Fujitsu had. So um, I think uh, lots of lots of interest. And I think I bet they have some new customers, too in addition to the ones that were already announced. Uh, and then just a few days ago, Fujitsu announced that it had, it had it's begun shipping the Fugaku system, you know, formerly known as uh, the post-K supercomputer. Um, they're, they're officially shipping that now. And uh, general uh, operation is expected to commence in between 2021 and 2022. So, um, yeah, it was very it was very good. And there's lots of lots more interesting things we for us to talk about on future future podcasts. Yeah, all that was just out of the CPU space. We haven't even gotten to the storage, interconnects, cloud. There was a lot going on, and we can catch that in future episodes of This Week in HPC. But for now, thank you to Denver. It was great seeing so many people wearing their I am HPC guru buttons, a real highlight from the show. You, If you weren't there, you can catch a lot of the highlights on our Twitter handle at Intersect360. We did an excellent job covering a lot of the news from the show there. And I know HPC Wire had a major uh, major platform as well. So, yeah, and con- congrats also to Tsinghua University, which won the latest student cluster competition. Absolutely. And that brings their total to nine gold medals. Is that congrats nine in a row for them or just nine, nine in total? Does it matter? But no, it's in total. <laughs> Nine championships and, and well done by Tsinghua. And we'll look forward to continuing to watch that student cluster competition in the future. Okay, Tiffany, thanks for helping me wrap up all the news from Denver and SC19. And thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com. <laughs>